This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird when you start analysing a drum beat. And I was asking Matt just before, is that a paradiddle or is that a roll? And and the definitive thing was, no, nah, Cam, it's... It's kind of not really anything. It's just a fill. It's just a fill. Yeah. It's just a fill. Don't you hate drummers that fill too much, though? Yes. Just give it some space. It's like the long-winded guitar solos of yore, which are not... They're very out of fashion nowadays, aren't they, guitar solos? And, and it's cousin... The drum solo. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. That, uh, that sound of the 70s where all the other band members would leave the they stage. They all go out there and light a joint. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take it easy. Find the cafe bar. Ooh, yeah. chicken noodle soup. Um, yes, well, the good thing is uh, there will be no drum solos in this hour because it's no. 12.02. Welcome to the afternoon. A very, very good afternoon to everyone. My name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have... I'm Matt Stedman. Welcome to the afternoon, Triple R. Bit of a chilly afternoon. Still, It's still very early days for spring, isn't it? Nondescript. Mm. Yes, unless you're in Queensland and New South Wales and bloody hell, uh, my heart goes out to you. With all the fires. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I was watching the news last night and mm. just, just these terrible nighttime fires and just mm. this or- terrible orange and red glows and cataclysms around you. And Very dry up there, obviously. September, wow. Yeah. Anyway, don't need to bring everybody down. It's fine here in Brunswick. No it fires is indeed. that we're aware of. It is indeed. And the good news is um, around Victoria, mm. um, certainly in the west and north and central, the dams are, are looking good. Yep. Gippsland could use a bit more water. And anyway, there's that weather report yes. for, for that. Um, a big thanks to the scientists who have... Are they gone? No, they're still they? there. They're hanging. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're, they're debriefing. Dr. Shane is gesticulating and making a very strident point by yes. the looks of it, isn't he? Looks like it. He is. Um, <laughs> and in our green room, we have our guests. And the yes. great news is our guests are... Uh, we missed one of them. Because um, it's a bit, a bit of a shame. We've got bread, we've got cheese, we've got wine. This is a good show, isn't it? It is a bread, good show. Bread, cheese, and wine. I think we have everything covered. It's uh, the fundamentals. We we have them. <clears throat> we have uh, Anthony Femnia, who unfortunately uh, one of his staff uh, rang with um, some sort of excuses to the fact they're not there. Yes, can't come in today. This is always what see those of you who work in hospitality understand these challenges that mm. your day can be rearranged on a moment's notice. Yes, because the dishwasher or something is vomiting all night. Finger in the dark. Yes, yes, to stop everything yes. all, all coming in. Uh, Anthony is at Paran Market Baker and Munger makes maybe one of the best uh, toasties in Ooh. in the whole place. You were saying in the car, maybe we should get him and Darren Purchase to do a toasty off a, a toast, toast off toast battle to the mm, death to the death. <laughs> And then release the Kraken yeah. uh, at the end. Uh, so Anthony, we'll talk to him from the market, and uh, and then we have um, Mike Russell from Baker Blue. Um, Baker Blue uh, with his wife Mia. Yep. Um, creators of beautiful dark crusted sourdough loaves, baguettes, and bagels have an incredible um, who's who of wholesale customers, including Attica, Builders Arms, Cutler & Co., Ronaldo Di Stasio. Yes. Yes. 
um, and the Carlton Wine Room, and there's probably probably more. So we're going to talk to him about his thoughts on bread. He's brought some bread in too. And you're right about the dark crust. Oh, it's, it's almost... It's um, razor's edge stuff. It's kind of like crocodilian. Like when you sort of run your finger along it, it's got a hard crust. It's good. Yeah, good thing it doesn't bite like a crocodile. Yeah. Um, yeah, incredible bread. So we're going to talk about that. And, uh, well, it just sort of goes to after bread, you need wine. Yep. And uh, we are delighted to see Gary Mills. And if you haven't heard of Gary Mills before, mm-hmm. he has a label called Jam Shed Wines or Jam Sheed Wines. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's not about the jam shed. It's not like the, these huge fruit, you know. No. You know, big things you could rest a jam spoon in. Mm. Um, it refers to an old Persian king, but we might talk a little bit about that as to what the legend is regarding that a little bit later on. How does that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good? Sounds excellent. All right, well, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, I'm excited too. Um, Now, during the week, um, were we going to do a... What's What's that that in in your mouth? mouth? Why not? We're here. Sure. We've done the sting. Cam, what's that in your mouth? Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, thinking back on the week, what was the highlights of my week? Oh, yeah, I did an Instagram. I did, I think, the one post Mm. during the week. Yep. Cam Smith, eat it, if you're interested. Yep. Um, Yep. I was at uh, one of my favourite places or a place that I really, really love, a place called Pure South down in Southbank. Yes. Um, operated by Phil Kennedy, who's a, just a great um, restaurateur. Mm-hmm. And he has a restaurant which is a showcase for the, the foods of Tasmania. Yep. Great stuff. And uh, one of those things was he has um, octopus. Hardy, the Hardy family, I think. They're way up there in the northwest. Anyway, he did this dish. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, it was so good. And that wasn't actually uh, him. It was David Hall, his Scottish chef. Yes. Um, who does all the work there. But it was just this brilliant dish of octopus pickled bok choy, which gave this sort of acidity and crunch pickled to Pickled bok choy, yeah, right. Yeah, pickled bok choy. Yeah. Not, not fermented, but pickled, I mm-hmm. think. Um, let's see, what else was in this? These golden raisins, which have been all plumped up. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a bean shoot salad sort of hidden underneath, and then this exo sauce. Um, if you haven't had an exo sauce, it's a Chinese thing. The Sort of the bones of it is um, is dried scallops, and then mm. you have all these sort of rich sort so of very, things around very it. very basic and very umami. Yeah. It's a very lip-smacking type yeah. thing. Gee, it was a clever dish. Um, so, yeah, I haven't done a lot of cooking at home this week. But you have. I did. Um, I just discovered what I thought was a pretty good midweek meal, purely accidentally. And this would also, I was saying to you, uh, this mm. would tick Shannon Martinez's box of a Who's $4. She? she is, of course, the chef from um, Smith & Daughters. Ah, yes. Uh, some say, Cameron, one mm. of the best vegan chefs in the world. I'd agree with that. Mm. Um, Certainly in this fair town. So this would tick a couple of boxes of hers because I reckon you could do this easily for under $4 a serve. And it also... Four just, bucks. It also just happens to be vegan. Oh, that's not why I cooked it. Yeah. It is... Uh, it's a curry. It's chana masala, which is chickpea curry. Yes. And it's just simple as all get out. So, so you just, cans used? I did use cans. Yes, good. You, I mean, you could use um, dried chickpeas and sack them overnight if yeah. you have a bit of time. Yeah, but uh, great convenience food, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And so a bit of spice and you whack it in the... Actually, I whack the... Um, 
recipe on the Twitter feed. But a bit of spice, put it in the old frying pan. And here's the trick. You just get a couple What's of onions. What's the spice? Uh, cumin and coriander seed and a little bit of garam masala. Oh, garam masala. No yeah. turmeric. No. Turmeric. I'm not quite, quite sure how to pronounce that one. And yes. the trick is you get, um, you don't make a paste or anything, but you get, uh, I reckon, two onions and a bit of garlic, a bit of ginger. And two you, onions? And you whiz it up in a uh, food oh, processor. Oh, that old yes. thing. That's a great yes. technique, isn't it? And then on top of that, it's literally just a couple of tins of chickpeas and a tin of tomatoes. And then the tomatoes. Yeah, I was going to ask I, if they had tomatoes. If I had my time again, and I will do it again, I'd probably get one spud and just dice it up into chickpea sort of size dices and whack it in there just to give it a bit of starchiness. Oh, really? Mm. And maybe I can think of one thing, the uh, curry leaf garnish. Yes, that'll work. Yeah, and the on. good thing about it, because it's um, all vegetarian, of course, it takes no time to cook because no, you're, not, you're not cooking meat. So I reckon you could start it and stop it and have it done in 20 minutes. Boom. Mm. Chana masala. Chana masala. Check it out. Check it out, peoples. 1210, we probably need to make a move on. Oh, but before we do, we just a bit of housekeeping too. Just remind everyone that the Radiothon campaign is continuing. Indeed we're not, it we're not, is. We're not handing out. 25th of uh, September. Yeah, 25th of September. So if you missed out on the main campaign, you can still subscribe at any time and go on the running to win all the prizes. Not the daily prizes, no. but the main prizes, which are significant. I'm They're just really looking for one there, like Bray, getaway for two with lunch, matching wines, luxury overnight stay with supper. And a signed Dan Hunter book. I need to get in touch with Dan. We need to have a not not to. Get, <laughs> hey, what about that oh, book? Oh, Hunter, where art thou? Yeah, where where art thou, Hunter? How are those dams? Um, okay, well we need to do that. So, please uh, do that. And also, mm-hmm. an, again, an acknowledgement to yes. all those people that have supported the station. Agreed. Yes. This show and their favourite shows. We thank you. We do. We really, really do. Mm. Uh, Twelve eleven here on three triple R F M. I think we might uh, get Anthony on the line and we're going to talk to him about what's happening in the Paran market and toasties. Oh, Geraldine. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry, I cut across that. Yeah. Those guys crack me up. You it's 12.13, yes. sorry. Oh, someone's at the door there. Oh, okay. There we go, we'll let them in. <laughs> How's your Sunday going, people? Thank you for joining us here on the radio. You are listening to Eat It. We're about to commence a, a segment and whiz over to the Paran market in the glorious south where hopefully we've got someone who's filling in for someone that just didn't turn up for work today. <laughs> Anthony, oh, there he is. G'day, Chuckles. Uh, is Chuckles Femnia. How you doing and uh, what happened Good. to your staff member? What was, let me guess, well, food poisoning, no, chemical injury. If they enjoyed their night last night, that's all that matters. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but you won't be coming back. No. <laughs> all oh. good. Oh. We're allowed, we're allowed one mistake. So. Oh, no, okay. Is that, their, is that their first strike, Chef? Yeah, yes, Chef. Okay. We, Chef. <laughs> we, Chef. Okay, well, that's, uh, that sounds, uh, sounds kind of nice. Um, so, first of all, we need to congratulate you on... Um, your place, it's Maker and Munger within the Paran market and um, one of the great things we've been able to see is this great evolution and you now have this incredible space which you've finally completed. When, when did you do that, Anthony? Yeah, we opened that on um, June the four, uh, 15th, uh, so almost three months ago and yeah, it's, been wow. a, uh, it's been a very interesting four-year journey uh, down here at the Paran market. Um, we started... 
late August 2015, just doing a Swiss raclette and one All-American grilled cheese sandwich and a yes. uh, tomato soup. And, yeah, we've slowly progressed to this beautiful, what we've dubbed the Chapel of Cheese. Uh, so we've built a um, maturation room that we run glycol um, and cold water through just to give it a ambient um, temperature and humidity. Hold and it, hold it, hold it. What's uh, yeah. glycol? Glycol is the stuff that you put in your radiator? No. no, yes, yes, that and also what they chill um, beer taps with in a pub. So basically, you know, when you go to a pub and you see the condensation around the uh, the pipes of the taps. Yeah, um, and sometimes a, yeah. a layer of just ice that you'll see around yeah. it as well. Yep. Yeah, so we we use that that same system uh, to chill a room. So that that condensation gives relative humidity as well as temperature. So we've got this beautiful ambient nature of about 10 degrees and 90% relative humidity, and that's perfect for amazing microflora to grow on cheeses. So we've just started with Jack from Stone and Crow up there in Yarra Valley, uh, maturing a wash rind from him. Yep. Um, so that's one of those little orange, funky ones with the bacterial rind. We got that at uh, a couple of days old, so what we call a green cheese. Yep. And we've matured that for eight weeks, just constantly washing it in this environment, which attracts all these beautiful brevi linens. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's got this incredible funky aroma and really meaty flavour. Mm. And we've also taken a raw milk cheese from Cora Dairy up there in Robinson of New South Wales. So it's their ode to Osaurati, which is a semi-hard sheep's milk cheese from the Basque region. Yep. Um, so he brought that down when he, uh, he was here for Mould Festival. And uh, that was one week old, and we're growing that until December. So it'll be ready for Christmas. <laughs> so you've, you've got all your little children there. and Yeah, uh, that's basically it. We, we've got babies everywhere now in the uh, maturation room. So and also there was something that I, I, I sort of... Uh, we, we live our lives vicariously um, through social media, and this is yeah. an incredible thing of this, this age that we're in. And I remember just feeling for you so much and, and being, ah, I felt really, really proud for you, mate, when, you, um, when you, were, you. you were in Europe and you were able to actually go and pick your own Comte, which is, yeah. is something that that's, was quite a red-letter day for you, wasn't it? It was. It was amazing. Like, we've got a, and, an amazing and why, and why so? Why, why was that such an incredible yeah. day and experience uh, and something to be treasured? Right, yeah, I'll, I'll remember it forever. Um, uh, so basically... What we is Comte? The, Sorry, we, let's, let's Com start for yeah. people that might not know what Comte is. Yeah, Comte is the most popular cheese in France. It's a uh, Gruyere uh, made up in the Jura Mountains. So they weigh about 35 kilos. So it takes about 500 litres of beautiful milk from the Montbelliard and Simmental cows. So these are two very noble alpine cows known for their butter fat and protein. And... There's eight different maturers of this cheese, so they take um, from the local dairies, uh, wheels every day to, to ripen, and Martel Petit uh, is the number one um, affineur or cheese maturer of Comte. And He's the dude. He's the guru, that whole... Yeah, yeah we've got this, um, there's a, what we call triers, so these are um, cheese tasters, and the main guy, or there's two main guys, there's Claude, uh, and there's Jose, We've got a little hashtag going saying, we love Jose. Um, <laughs> yes. He's been there, I think, 28 years, um, and he just knows the sound of Comte, so they tap it with a little um, cheese tester. A uh, little corkscrewy thing that pulls out yeah, a little, yeah. little plug. That's it, and then we take um, samples, and um, last year we were invited as the first cheesemongers of Australia to 
go and pick a flavour profile. So say that again. That say that again, yeah. Anthony. The first cheese yeah. ma- maker uh, monger in oh, Australia. Yeah, it was a, an amazing honour. Um, that was organised one morning over a bottle of wine at 10am in Piemonte of Italy at the Slow Food Cheese Festival uh, two years ago. Um, that was a very funny, funny experience. So never, uh, never had wine for breakfast, but yeah, I'll never, never forget that day. It's like, yeah, of course um, I'll have a drink, yes. Yeah, exactly. So last year was an amazing success. We sold, I think, 28 wheels in the 12 months and we needed to pick another flavour profile. So 28 wheels? Yeah, it was amazing. Jesus, it that's, that's was, like, sorry, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's, well, this uh, year we, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> well, this year we, we've been allocated 48 wheels, so roughly four a month. And um, we're the biggest seller of Comte in Australia, and we only do it retail from our, our little humble shop here at the market. So hey. it's an amazing testament to our staff and to our customers who, who love this cheese. And basically, when you pick a flavour profile, you, you don't care about age. It's all about your um, the texture and the, the flavours on the tongue. Um, so the particular wheel that we've picked, um, it's quite fruity. Um, so very sort of sort of floral as well. Uh, there's hints of just mild sort of cashews and honey. Mm. But it's all about that sort of fruitiness on the mid palate and zero bitterness. So the trier, Jose, it's his job for the next year to keep picking wheels of cheese based upon this flavour. So they could be from three or four different fruitier, which are the cheese makers who send their cheese to Comte. Um, but that's his skill set is knowing what flavour profile we want and then making sure after six weeks in the water uh, coming over here that it still has that same flavour uh, by the time it lands and lands into our counter. So I love it. Like It's an incredible opportunity for us and for so, Australians too to, to know about cheese rather than age you could age say he's your good. your cheese wingman yeah he's our cheese yeah our cheese guru yeah um, cheese guru so, over there now um yeah. you another thing is uh, i think you're doing a new toasty for uh for yeah, spring have you announced what that is yet yeah 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 so spring toasty a, uh, a very friendly neighbor here damien pike uh, he's got an order of australia in mushrooms uh, he's been here forever and He's the mushroom guru. Uh, so we, we get to hear him on the show every now and then, and please say a yeah. big g'day to Damien for me. I will. He's got amazing morels at the moment, so they only last for two weeks of season, so if anybody mm-hmm. loves morels, come down and, and snap them up with some butter. Um, but, yeah, we've launched a new toasty for spring, um, so we've got roasted potatoes and Swiss brown mushrooms um, with a little bit of thyme, and then we put that together with Collegio um, <laughs> from the north of Italy, which is that beautiful wash rind that... Yes. so good with um, on top of pizzas. Yeah. And a little bit of Comte, and then we finish it off with um, roasted thyme on top. And it's just this beautiful, just, it just screams spring. Uh, and spring so. this is great because all the people have been listening, their mouths are now flooded with saliva. Yeah. yeah. And we did want another, uh, this is the under-the-counter uh, toasty. This is the Cubano, uh, the media noche, uh, the Cubans say it. So mm. we've taken cork shoulder from Gary's, uh, meets down here and we've got an amazing chef, uh, Mel, uh, who cures it for 48 hours under lime juice, orange juice, lemon juice, selection of different spices. Wow. Uh, then we, we cook it for um, uh, eight hours and then we combine that with some ham off the bone, uh, yellow mustard from America, mayo and jalapeno cheddar on a beautiful white bun and we just baste that as we cook it. So if anyone's seen that movie, Chef, with... Um, 
John Favreau and uh, Dustin Hoffman as his, uh, his owner. Um, yes. When he goes and goes and makes that Cubano um, food truck, it's it's an ode to that. Uh, got that's it. What got me doing my my thing four years ago when I got back from my Churchill Fellowship of Europe. So yeah, I always wanted to do it, and we, we needed to save money and buy an oven, and we got a, a Ripper oven from uh, Unox, little chef top. Um, and it just, yeah, it cooks the uh, shoulder to supreme. Well, quality. there you go. It's all part of the evolution of, um, well, let's face it. Manga. What you've been, yeah. what, you, what you've been doing. Um, congratulations with all you do. Thank and you. I remember just as a little tip for those that if you haven't got time to come and see Anthony do his stuff uh, with Toasted Cheese Sandwich, one of the great tips that I learned off you is that day-old bread is the way to go if you're going to be um, if you're going to be doing your own toasted cheese sandwiches. Exactly, and toast cut thick, so about a centimetre to a centimetre half thickness, uh, and make sure your cheese interior is the same height as one of the slices of bread. And then just as a little plug, we cannot wait to start using Baker Blue Bread on our menu. <laughs> Funny <laughs> you should say that, and uh, we do thank you for that there, Anthony, because uh, we've got Mark Russell coming on next from Baker Blue. Uh, I wish you all the best, and I hope that other person who's working for you doesn't do a second strike because it could be fatal. Um, sorry we couldn't right. see you today. That's all right. I, I really apologise for that. It's just been a it's been a manic day. I, I take a photo and put it live on air because the tables are full. We've got forty eight people sitting down in line of about fifteen enjoying the toasties. So we're we're really blessed to be down here at the moment. So oh, well, you just you just keep turning turning those things around. Thank you, Anthony. Next Thank time you. we'll see you in person, twelve twenty four here on three triple RFM. We're going to be speaking with Mark Russell, purveyor of Baker Blue Bread. Mmm, funky. Did you? I was just saying. I think you rec- you recorded that in about nineteen seventy three. Yeah, we've been playing that in about ten years. It has been a while. That was uh, Stone Woman, I think it was. Really? Is that crazy uh, Hammond organ? Hammond organ going off. <laughs> Mark Russell. Hi. You going Hi. off? Yes. Totally. Sunday morning. Definitely. Um, it's um, now. Uh, we were just speaking to Anthony Femnia, and you said that you share a sign writer with him or something like that. Uh, They're bo- both, uh, yeah, both Daniel v- from Made Visual. Oh, yeah. look, he just got a plug. There you go, Dan from Made Visual. Hope you're listening in Gippsland. Yeah, and come, come on, complete that work, buddy. <laughs> that's that's sort of the thing. Now, first of all, Baker Blue. Um, this is an interesting thing. Um, have you off? Have you been called Bluey for a long time in your life? Well, as a, a kid, we I, I had an aunt and uncle who were uh, that were like you know really kind of Australian, and and it was always like blue as a kid when I was growing hey, up. Blue. Uh, blue, yeah, exactly. There you yeah. go, mate. So I was I was known is. as Blue. Yeah, the young uh, Sprog. What's he doing? <laughs> hey, Sproggy. Exactly. Yes. And, and so, uh, where are they from? Uh, they're from Sydney, yeah. For, I mean, okay. they're they're, they're uh, you know living on the north shore of Sydney. Colin mm. David, hi, if you're listening, if you they're uh, they've obviously done pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> they're on the north shore in Sydney. And um, cool. And uh, yeah, I was called Blue as a kid, and you know when we were thinking about a name, and you know uh, uh, sort of uh, wanted to have something personal, but yet you know it you sounded good. You and didn't want to call it Bluey's bread. Bluey's bread. Bluey's no. bread. No, definitely no. not. <laughs> Bluey's batard. 
Yeah, blues batard. Uh, I used to, because like the last name Russell, uh, friends used to joke that I should call the bakery uh, Rusty's Crusties. Rusty's Crusties, <laughs> there I we go. But I don't think that would fly. Thank God. <laughs> we all breathed a sigh yeah. of relief. Well, you've been, um, how do we say it? You've, you've, you've emerged here um, and you have become lauded, and, and rightly so. Um, but Thank you. how did you – what was the interest in baking and in bread? Was that an early thing or did it develop? Uh, it definitely – well, the way it kind of came about is um, I, you know, straight out of school yep, um, was kind of like, you know, you've got to go to university. Yes. And, and the only thing that I was interested in was – We want of, you to become a lawyer. Yeah, the only thing I was interested in doing was kind of trying to be creative and I ended up in the Sid- Sydney College of Arts uh, at Sydney Uni and I was um, doing... Too fun. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Cosy with uh, Ben Mendelsohn? That's, it was filmed there. Right. Yeah, it was yes. a beautiful campus. Um, yeah, it's a gorgeous campus. Yeah. I think I remember seeing the Saints there one time yeah. and thinking, God, I wish I went to university. It was a, <laughs> a, a, it was a cool place to go to uni. And, um, yes. and so I was there for three or four years and I didn't end up doing much work and didn't do very well, but somehow <laughs> managed to get through. Yes. Um, and so from you know doing this creative degree i ended up um doing advertising and that was a disaster um because it was just it was it was soul destroying it was soul destroying from the from the outside i have seen the devil close up yeah um exactly that and like you know working with people that would slam the table whenever they they made a pitch or a sale it it wasn't me yeah surrounded by the alpha males alpha males and females too and females they exist as well exactly yeah so that just wasn't me and i I was kind of exploring for for what I wanted to do and I just went and did a whole heap of things. I went and worked in bars, I went and worked in uh, you know a hotel, I went and did uh, you know all sorts of work and and I landed um, with uh, sort of bread and and um, you know pastry I guess because I was I had this concept of you know um, my my wife now girlfriend at the time Mia was living hello in Sp- Mia is she listening yeah she is hi she Mia is, yeah she was uh, living in Spain I was like I love pinchos yes and I love tapas and uh, what's know, pinchos pinchos is like in uh, in Basque they call the the the, the tapa mm. like pinchos because yep. everything is like bite size yes um, and the main component of that is is bread and so I was like you know what in a city like Sydney or Melbourne, you, you know, you've got to take it to the next level. And so I was like, I'll learn how to make bread. I'm going to do this. And so that's how it came about. Um, bread, where do I start? So I started, you know. Uh, I, I need some mentoring. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, so I just, <laughs> instead of actually going to a bakery, I started going down this road of working in restaurants and knocking on all these doors, seeing if I could get any work. And, you know, just uh, I, that's how I sort of got into it and worked in restaurants for a little bit and then ended up in in, in bread and in bakeries, yeah. Who's the first person that took you under their wing? Uh, the first place I worked at was a restaurant in Wallara, Sydney. It was Claude's. I was washing dishes there at yes. the age of, uh, you know, 24, 25. And uh, <laughs> that was a, a real, you know, birth of fire, like uh, straight into a, to a kitchen that uh, it was at the time, I think, it was three three hats so i was exposed to like you know food um on at another, that level uh, yeah, yeah exactly um and it was an amazing start and i really like you know um saw the inside and and uh and then from there I went to work at rockpool uh, bar and grill uh 
And then, yeah, it, I, I sort of I want to dedicate more of my time to bread um, and focusing on that um, uh, rather than pastry. And uh, so, yeah, I started working at Burke Street and it, it went on from there, yeah. yeah what did you do? It was Iggy's? So Burke Street, Baker yeah. de Kiriko, and then, uh, and then Iggy's. Oh, so you're working with DDC in Sydney or Melbourne? In Melbourne, yeah. In Melbourne, yeah. so... I came down to, to Melbourne. Mia was, was working And you would have here. met my old buddy Louis. Yeah, love Louis. Louis Vassonet. He's the best. Yeah, yeah. He's the best. I first met him a long time ago, but that's that's another story indeed. So, um, and what did you learn from all these people? What what, what sort of things did you, were you able to um, glean well, from? Everywhere you pick up little, different little things. Um mm. At at um at Burke Street, I really learned like a wide variety of stuff, and then Baker D, I learned how to do stuff the the OG way, like how to do stuff <laughs> without any intervention, like hand shaping. What is that? OG? The original, like you know, the like the, without any inter- interference, like just bare basics. Like, yes. Yeah, absolute bare basics: hand scaling, hand shaping, hand loading. Um, you know, doing straight dose. So like basically, I would go in there and mix, and 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 the whole in the whole shift, the cycle would be finished. All the product would be would be baked in the one shift. So like, if you hmm. go to a typical French bakery, hmm. um, you know, the mix comes in, mixes all the doughs, they rest the doughs, they shape, they bake, and hmm. so everything's done in the one cycle. And so in it, that's and you're working at night, so you have the absolute. You 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 become. It, like implicit on everything like you know you understand the whole process it's an amazing way to learn it's it's one of the you it, are witness to it and you start to really understand it and it becomes imbued within you yeah Would that exactly be a good way to put it daniel kiriko gave baking in australia like you speak to a lot of bakers sonoma and sydney you speak to bakers down in tassie daniel gave so much to baking in australia he he really it's the craft and he he you know imparted so much knowledge to so many different people Mm. And then, he's been doing it for a long time now. Yeah. Like he is, he's two thousand one. Really, yeah, he's the godfather. Mm, yeah, he's the godfather. He's the godfather of, of, of the new yeah. bread. I mean, you know, yeah. there were people that are still doing their interesting things. So we were talking about Firebrand Bakery. Mm. Yeah, when, when Dave was around, God bless your soul, Dave. Mm. We interviewed him a while ago, but the the kids have um, taken it on. But he was the one that I don't know seemed to change the. The general market's perception about yeah. what, what great bread can be. Now, mm. your bread has evolved into this incredible product. And I, I would say the one thing that I've noticed about it is the fact that you you really ride that razor's edge because you are, yeah. your crusts are so dark. It's a fine on, line. On, on, <laughs> you, because, but that's something for maybe for those that are listening to think about. And g'day, how you going out there? Um <laughs> But, you know, it's sort of like when you cook toast, Matt. Can. Thanks. Hmm. It's like, you know, when you cook toast, it, 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 you you get to that stage where it's warming up, it's warming up, it's warming up, it's getting to that thing. It's going there, yeah. And then you start to get the colour, you get the, the caramelisation yeah. is happening with the toaster, but you've only got, like, if you're looking for the total time of your cooking toast, say it's 100%, it's that ninety-five percent where yeah. it's going. It's a tail end. That that brown, isn't it? Mm. It's all happening so fast, mm. and that's one of the things that defines your loaves. Yeah, I think I think um, you know I really learnt 
how to how to do that when I, I took the process to another level where I started, you know, um, stretching out the ferment overnight and you really, you're pushing everything to the limit. You're pushing the proofing, um, you know, to the limit. You're developing all the, all the sugars. And then the next day when you're going to bake, you know, baking at a really, we bake at a really, really high temperature and maybe a little bit shorter than other bakeries. Can so, you tell us what the temperature is? So or is we, we bake, you know, a lot of bakeries we bake around 250, 260 centigrade and we go like up to 290, 300. Whoa. Um, yeah, so we bake really hot and fast and short. Like we have two kilo loaves, which we bake maybe a little bit longer, but we bake really hot and short. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get like a really like a crunchy, dark crust, but a beautiful, like moist interior. So you're not drying the loaf out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe our loaves look darker, but they maybe keep it a little bit longer. And, and, and when you really, you know, slice into it, it's got a great crust. It has so much texture and character and all those sort of things you're looking for when you, you think about a loaf of bread. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like we, I've, when I worked with Igor at Iggy's, uh, he really, you know, imparted so much knowledge about, you know, how to use equipment, how to be, how to achieve those results, um, making it a better loaf of bread, but also making it in the meantime, making it easier for the, the person who's making the product, you know? So, um, we, yeah, I, that's, that's a big thing that I took on board there. Um, but yeah, the, the, the color is really hard to achieve because it's a fine line. You walk, you, you walk all the time and with this new setup, this new bakery that we've just opened up, um, you know, whole new oven again. So like, you know, and minimum intervention. That was one of the things because I was lucky enough to have you show me around and thank you for that. And I got to to witness this giant oven and all this, this stuff. But that was one thing that you said on more than one occasion, we hardly handle it. It's it's it, we it's minimal intervention yeah. so that mm. the the product can speak for itself. Yeah, and so so we we do that with like you know, mm. um, uh, you know, uh, like when we're dividing the dough, we use a machine to do that, and then and when we're shaping it, you know, we 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 really light shaping, and then it goes through a machine, so no degassing, and so then just straight onto a board, mm. um, and then the next day when we bake it, it again the machine picks all the dough up, mm. loaded into the oven. Mm. And, then, and this is the thing that is quite different because this allows you to come in and start your shift rather than at one o'clock in the morning and go, oh, my God, where's my life gone? That you can get up still pretty early yeah. but start shift around about five o'clock. Five and then, o'clock, yeah. Five um, o'clock we start and usually on a really busy day, everyone's done by two. Yeah, yeah wow. So pretty, pretty nice hours, yeah. And it was interesting. I had a chat to Andrew McConnell, of course, from, uh, well, he's got lots of places around the um, – this town and uh, Cutler and Co um, gets you bread, and I know Builders Arms gets you bread because um, I've seen the loaves there, those yeah, big loaves. I've been very lucky. And yeah. um, he was saying to me, "Yeah, it's crazy. We uh, do um, a, a bake at Cutler and Co. It's ready at five thirty for six o'clock, and yet I tried this stuff from you, and it's better than what we could produce at Cutler and Co. So we had to go to it. Also, who else is using you, Attica?" Um, Ronaldo, you got Stasia, it in, the man, Stasia, the yeah. man. Yeah. and um, and who knows, maybe Anthony Femnia from uh, yeah, Maker and Munger. He's a great guy. If we can share the uh, work out how to get uh, uh, visiting rights with the sign maker <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, congratulations to you, you Mike. Guys. Big good day to Mia, who's um, thank you. Um, looking after the shop this morning? Yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, we need to get in touch with... Uh, you're going to hang around for Gary? you got to get yeah. out, out of here? Why not? Um, we've got Gary Mills from Jamsheed Wine, and uh, we're going to have a chat to him very, very shortly.
on 3 Triple RFM. Hey, look out for my glass over there. Man. Yes, sir, Jimmy. Drink, what sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? I'm making a double. Yeah. All right, somebody got to sing. Somebody got to sing. Let's drink. Cheers. 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 Yeah, um, we're clinking our glasses. It's all happening here. You're listening to Three Triple RFM. My name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have I'm Matt Stedman. Steaders, yes, uh, Steady Stedman. And Mike's uh, still here as well. Yeah, Mike's still here. Still here. Still here. <laughs> and we welcome to the microphones. And I got to say, I'm, this is a bit remiss of me. I don't think I've had you on either for years, or I haven't. And yeah, you just haven't showed me the love, Cam. I have yeah. just fresh aired you for decades. <laughs> Although just I love ghosted. you very, very much. I know we've been in touch. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling on the love, but you did ghost me. That's fine. I know. No, that's all right. But all we've, good. Uh, we've, uh, the redress is here now. Mm. Um, first of all, the name you. of your label is Jamsheed Wines. So it's not as I've seen in some retailers on websites that just go, oh, it's easy, I don't get it, Jamshed. Jamshed. I had a good one the other day. I had, I had a <laughs> delivery for James Head Wines. <laughs> that was a good one, I thought. Where's yeah. James? James Head. Is Why James is Head? here? Where's his ass? Call <laughs> for James Head. Are you here? And um, you've been doing this, I think it's 2003, was it? Right yeah, 2003 then? was it the was first right. vintage, yeah. Hey. Yep. And um, you are a, a, how would we describe you? A winemaker, negotiant? Oh, winemaker. Someone yeah. that... Yeah. No, winemaker's fine. So winemaker's no cool. No pretensions to anything else. So. Oh, I like a bit of pretension on a Sunday. Well, I do, I do grow. So I farm a vineyard now. I, t- I have a lease on a vineyard in Wandan East. So technically I could be a vineyard, I guess. Thank God it's and not so. West. The West uh, West, yeah, maybe I'll talk to those <laughs> wankers. No. Yeah. Wandan North, don't even well, mention Wanda them. North. Woo. Just splitters. Yeah. <laughs> Scum. Um, what are you growing there, Shiraz? Uh Yeah, Syrah, as I call it, Syrah, Sauvignon Blanc and Merlot. Yes, and, mm. and, and you do a few sort of weird-ass things too, don't you? A bit of Roussan? Yeah, a bit of Roussan from Beechworth. Um, I sort of, I've ended up now somehow, I don't know how it's happened. It's happened very organically. What happened? Well, I've got 16 different wines now. So yeah. Yeah. And They've grown. The other family's gotten really big because it used to I be, can't say no to good fruit. That's you were sort of so. Mr. Big, big Jam Shed Shiraz. Yeah, just jam. Yeah, I mean the focus not is jammy. on Syrah. They're not jammy. Not jammy. Yeah, no, they're very not jammy. Not but, the yeah. face, please. <laughs> not Gary. Just, um, just... I mean the focus definitely still is on Syrah. Yeah. Um, the highlighting. So my my mo is to highlight the beautiful regional terroir differences in Victoria. Non-intervention. Many minimal intervention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't subscribe to. I'm trying not to label anything. I try just to make good wine. Mm. Uh, and the only way I know how to make good wine is by the way that I was taught. I was very fortuitous to be taught by uh, the legend that is Paul Draper at Ridge Vineyards in California. Ooh. Yeah, in the late 90s. So that was you know, the, the greatest leg I could, have, I could ever get in the yeah. industry. Um, and that he taught me how to make wine and, and he taught me in the same way that's now, I guess it's now described as Natty. But Natty, you know, natural is only the label that's sort of come to be attached over the last sort of handful of years. So to me, it's always just been the way you make wine. Mm. And that's how it is. It's become a big thing, isn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. It's a great. It's the it's the new black. It's everything. Yeah. It's uh, people just want natty wines. So. It's you, great. Look, hey, it's bringing. I love the natty movement. You know, the fact they, that it they, brings. They say Brett's cool. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot. There's a lot more. I would oh, say wait, it's I, a lot more relaxed, comment. and there's a lot more interest. There's a lot more. It's bringing a lot more people to wine who would never have probably come to wine at their age. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely bringing a younger demographic to wine than was previously happening. 
Yes. So it's wonderful for that, you know. When did you start drinking one? Uh, I was lucky. My dad was all. My dad drank Swan Gold, so I grew up in Perth. So he was definitely in the Swan Gold cask wine kind of yes. vanguard. Um, yeah. And then, so I started drinking at university. I studied the arts as well. The uh, arts. The arts. Yes, yeah, so I have a degree in literature. Um, yeah, so you're just like Mike. Yeah. You could have been go. together. We, we, see we, how far we it takes us, Mike? Media arts. <laughs> having, having fun. I was at Curtin University, which is not a pretty campus at all. Actually, no, it's lovely. But Where's Curtin University? Uh, like South Perth, across oh, the river. Oh, okay, yes. It was great. I mean, we had a, it was you know, three, four years of my learning how to drink and play pool is pretty much what I got out of it and reading poetry. And uh, then I kind of got into wine. I moved to London. I travelled around a bit. I ended up in Japan and then ended up yes. in London and ran out of money and then had to get a job. Uh, so I ended up working in this sort of wine bar behind Harrods. And that's where I sort of got immersed into really interesting European wines. Oh, bad. Yeah, and then ended up, you know, after that, of course, naturally just became a Japanese uh, tour guide in Cairns. Because that's what you do, Japanese-speaking tour guide. Yeah, because for a while there, the Japanese were taking over oh, they the, own the Cairns, F&Q. Yeah. Mm. And made lots of money. I mean, that was just a cash grab. It was like, okay, I want to get out of London where it's all rainy and cold and grey. Where is there? Can I find some really good sunshine? It's like Cairns. Cairns. Yeah. Well, there's that joke, what's miserable and eats fish and chips? Cane toads. Half yeah. of London. Half of London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. What, so we got what, out of there. So where, when were you in Cairns? Uh, that was 95, 96. Yeah, because right. yeah, then, so when the Japanese bubble economy burst, yes. uh, the arse fell out of the market pretty quickly. In Canada, so, so I just called my dad, and my dad at that time moved to Quindalup, which is sort of near Yelling Up in Margaret River. Yeah. Uh, and I just said, look, I'm, I'm done. This is, this is not working in Cairns. So, uh, you know, just I want to come back. I just want to hang out and surf <laughs> for a summer. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get your job. What's his name? He's got a vineyard down the road. So. That's where it started. That was good amb- dad. That was, yeah, good old dad. Good yeah. dad wasn't freaking out. Going, no, oh, no, that this. was great. Yeah, and so you, it, so you started a, a wine label and, and mm, you, lo and behold. you called it, as we said, it's not Jamshed. Jamshed. Um, but it's named after this uh, Persian monarch. Mm. Yeah, first, again, yeah, we go back to How did you find out about the, him? Well, again, back to the literary. Just when you're starting reading poetry. Yeah, well, so so I came you're across you're this. Putting uh, down the Rumi book and... Well, there's a famous, uh, uh, yeah, the Sufi poet Rumi. Mm. I still use Rumi poetry on the label and, and on the corks. But I've came across Jamshid in the Rubai of Makayan, which is an old... Dad uh, used to love them. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and, and it mentions uh, this king. The, the little red book. <laughs> the yeah, little red book. Not, of, not the chairman uh, Mowen. No. And uh, it talks about this King Jamshid who could see his kingdom in a cup of wine. Oh, mate, he lived life to the full, didn't he? He was a party boy, yeah. He was a party boy. And and what about this king, Jamshid? So King Jamshid, so there's this great story. Then, you know, further reading, I found this story about King Jamshid who, uh, you know, he was kind of like very much a Noah-like figure. So he lived to a ripe old age. He had a vineyard. and He's um, immortal. He he, he glowed. He had a harem of 500 women, so he's a very busy man. He Um, had this this special cup, or was it? Yeah, Seven-sided the, the cup that could mm. see into the future. See into the future. He's a mystic. Yeah. And he had a throne that could fly. Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, I had this one. Cool. Hey, oh, check this out. What did I got? He had the magical seven-ring cup, the Jammer Jam. Jammer Jam. Jammer Jam. Forget, well, forget them, Snoop Dogg. So. <laughs> this is my Jammer Jam, uh, which was filled <laughs> with that's the my new elixir DJ of <laughs> immortality and allowed him to observe the universe. Wow. Yeah, I don't know about the weird mushrooms that might have been inside <laughs> there. Um, but Anyway, here we go. Well, one day he sat upon a jewel-studded throne and the divs who served him raised his throne up into the air Oof. and he flew through the sky. His subjects, all the peoples of the world, 
marvelled and praised him. Dude. They went, dude, that's what they said. <laughs> that's what they said. So anyway, so this was what you thought you'd um, yeah. name this well, label. The, the name sort of came about, I thought it was going to be a very sort of esoteric name that would never be used. Um, it, it At the time, so in 2003, when I started uh, Jamsheed, the label, I'd just come back from the States and there was a lot of what they call critter wines and it was magpie. You know, what yell, sort of wines? They call it critter wine. So it's an Australian wine that had a, a mammal or a marsupial or something oh, okay. on the label. Yeah. So, you know, Yellowtail is the perfect example of it. Oh, yeah. So it was all, you know, oh, cockatoo, yeah, okay, cockatoo yeah. koala, da 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 And I was like, uh, Christ, anything but that. You know, Joanna so, Gamay. Pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or the other alternative being the Yarra was you call it, you know, Yarra, Yaring, Grange, Gully, Ridge, Creek, Reserve, something. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which I was never going to do that. And I just thought Jamsheed had a, you know, because I always see... Yeah, wine, you know, my focus is very local and very regional in Australia, in Victoria, but mm. the scope of wine is also worldwide. And I like the thing that the history that Jamsheed, the story of Jamsheed brought to the history of wine as well, because I'm very uh, fascinated by the history oh, of winemaking. Oh, we didn't actually and, get to mm. the, the finish the story. We just talked about his flying throne and oh, so his he, cup. He invented alcohol or he observed. He, uh, yeah, inadvertently. So it used yes. to, the, the story goes that he would harvest his grapes over... And they were table grapes. Wine hadn't been invented at this yes. point. He'd harvest them. He'd store them in clay amphora or some sort of vessel. Yes. Which is uh, all, naturally what the, they all would, the hipsters are coming course, back to back now. Back to yeah. Yeah. What goes around comes <laughs> around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd spontaneously ferment. He wouldn't, yes. not knowing what fermentation was, he would label them as poisons. He freaked out. He put skull out. and crossbones on like them. The, the fizzy. Stay away. But it, fizzy grapes. But yeah. for some reason, he kept it all. Because he kept it all. Maybe he had a little wee bit mm. of Scott in him. And he got all kind of throw that out. <laughs> yeah. But then what happened? Then one of his uh, concubines decided she was suffering terrible migraines, decided she'd try and kill herself. By she was despondent. Poison. Yes. Yes. I think he'd kicked her out. Oh, he said know. you lost the gig. I think, it, yeah. He did. She wised up, I reckon. Too. Yeah, she probably did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then found out she was miraculously cured of a headache Yeah. and reported to the king, and the king said, let's make more of this poison. So it's this... in the annals of Gilgamesh, if anyone really wants to read it. it's That's the invention of wine. And then he said, you know what? There shall be no table grapes. This stuff's good. Yeah, no yeah. table grapes. It's a waste of it's, sugar. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sugar. Yeah. Um, We've yeah. got a little bit of time left, but sure. um, one thing I want to hear is that um, the address that you have had on your website mm. has been Carlton, but you're moving to Preston. So I'm moving everything to Preston. Yeah, building an urban winery in an industrial state in, in Preston. Albert Street? Out corner of Albert and Dunder Street. So, yeah, okay. yeah, it's uh, the part of the great northern migration. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, I've been looking for a site for about four and a half years. This is an idea I actually had when I came back from, Cal- uh, from California. Hmm. There's a lot of urban wineries in northern Cal, Berkeley, yes. and, and especially Portland. Uh, and so I sort of sort of started actively looking for this site in four and a half years. I was looking in Collingwood. I was looking all around. And then Preston, it's, it's very hard. We were talking about the... the uh, difficulty of finding large warehouse sites without yes. that aren't going to be developed in three years in Melbourne. Yes. So trying to get a long lease. Yeah, trying yeah. to get a long lease. It yeah. ended up we're saying it's the first thing I walk in, I'd look at the space <laughs> and go, okay, first of all, how long the body lease? Mm. Yep. Because you know I'm investing a lot or of money. Or do I in just this. walk out? Yeah, exactly. It, it's this is an odyssey for me. I've thrown every single dollar I've had at it and other people's as well. And Actually, so the it's idea money, is so. it's going to be an urban winery, yep. um, including pool table, bar going to be at, at a dive bar element dive you want to have it well i want to i want to sh- i'm shying away from people's traditional idea of a cellar door where you just stand so, around so with we're music, not jazz music and or, or stand around the barrels <laughs> yeah exactly going, and talk so, about oh strawberry so in the northern fields of tell us about the shiraz there gary yeah, exactly yeah, that kind of yeah. thing so, so i'm not doing that i don't i want it to be a, a very much a 
an easygoing, relaxed atmosphere. You can come in, you can have a drink of wine, you can have a, we'll have beer, we'll have, you know, other you things on You said you want to have a PlayStation well. in there. Yeah, we're going to have a gaming room, so I've already got a pool table, we'll get a ping pong table. Just, you know, the kind of, it, it's building just can the I, place that I want to Can I add out, something? So. And I just want mm. to add something. I, if you talk dive bar, mm. one of the things I think you must have in yeah. a dive bar is on the side of the edge of the bar where people put their elbows, you need to have that cushioned. The cushioned. Ah, gotcha. Standing room only. No, so you can just, yeah, yeah, so you can just sort of lounge and yeah, just lounge gets out. really comfy. Yeah. And then you sort of really move into it. And uh, we should mention um, that uh, the you've put in a bucket load of money. Oh, I've put in I, I could be a Everything little bit more I've profane. Yeah. yeah, but um, you need a little bit more and there is a bit of crowdfunding yeah, that you're a, requesting. doing a possible campaign at the moment. Uh, yeah. It's got a couple of days left, so if you want to jump on, there's... Yeah, we're offering... I see it you know, similar to what we're doing, what you guys do here. It's like a... a subscriber subscription base we're offering memberships mm. with you know permanent discounts there's a lot of really good stuff available dinners for four there's long lunches for about a hundred bucks a no, head you know, parties for parties. the for the for the corporation yeah we just you want all things covered go to your website when do you want website. to open it uh well i'm hoping within a month yeah yeah and we've so. got in the 30 seconds we've got has bud burst happened yet Budverse is happening, yeah, north of the valley, north the of the Yarra Valley has started. It? Not, not in the south, because I'm definitely south. Luckily, we've got a few <laughs> days grace. Yes. But, yeah, northern Yarra, Chum Creek area, northern Dixon's Creek, I think they've started. They've got leaf, so it's happening. Okay. It's on us, and this week's nice and warm, so get ready. Well, maybe we might get you back when we get the Dunkin' Butchinen on. Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, we'll get you on maybe we can uh, and want to talk about some of these new the evolution of the varieties that we have yeah let's 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 do that good luck with that um, campaign thank you go to the website if you want to um, help out again Mike Russell thank you guys you rock thank you so much for coming in keep that bread uh, rising uh, we've got still here is on next. Yes, Rachel's in the chair. Rachel's in the and chair, waving. There she is. And in guests. Studio One, ready to rock and roll. Guests. Yes. Uh, which is good. It's the afternoon here at 3 Triple R. Don't leave it. We're over time. We will see you next week. Thank you again, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, you, Matt. Guys. Thank you, Kim. Thank you guys. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3 Triple R 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.